Hello and welcome back to Philosophy, the podcast where I talk about whatever I like. Um, today, I am hoping that I'm actually going to get to finish this painting. Um, I'm very excited. I've decided that I'm going to finish it today. So hopefully I have enough to talk about. If not, some of this might be happening off camera, in which case, off camera, sorry, in which case apologies. But um, yeah, let's get into it, shall we? Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about today is kind of along the theme of goals and getting things done successfully or managing to do things in general and uh, basically how to inspire us to do what we want. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because, well, it's, you know, it's currently the 2nd of January and all the tweets that I am seeing and all the messages I'm receiving and conversations I'm having with people are very centered around, you know, what our goals are for the new year and what we want to achieve with our life and all this lovely stuff that we get to talk about in um, the beginning of the year. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean that genuinely. I think it's really cool that, um, we get to have fresh beginnings. I mean, that's the reason why Mondays are my favorite day of the week. I feel as though everything just gets to start from scratch and you can just do whatever and be whoever, I think, um, on a Monday. It's, it's it's a new start. So I do love New Year's for that reason. And basically, what I wanted to talk about today is a book that I read recently on creativity. And the reason that I think it's quite important is that in this book, there were nine components that were described of flow. Flow being the state where we can um, basically forget what we're doing and we're completely involved in the activity at hand and we just love it and we can go on for hours. And it's kind of that state that we imagine people like Einstein would be in when he is discovering the theory of relativity and doing his work or where we imagine Michelangelo was in when he was creating his amazing paintings and things like that. That's the, the state of flow. And we might have experienced it ourselves. Um, if you game, maybe you're in flow when you forget that time is passing. Um, if you're reading an amazing book or if you are an artist of any sort or um, yeah, there are cases in our life where we just forget our surroundings and get lost in things. And these are very difficult to achieve, especially on a daily basis. They're they take time to kind of get in that zone. And so I think even though I would obviously aim to have as many moments of flow in my life, it's quite difficult to organize my life around flow because there's distractions and jobs and I need to have lunch and I need to work at a certain time and all these things. But I think studying states of flow is very important because then we can kind of extrapolate from um, these cases onto our everyday life. And what I mean by this is that, for example, if we use the components of flow for even the simplest things, for example, um, brushing our teeth, we can try to make that activity more enjoyable. So I think that every activity in life can be made more enjoyable by trying to apply some of the rules of flow to it. So if we try to apply some of the rules of um, the conditions in which we are the happiest, then we might make those activities a bit more enjoyable and therefore make ourselves more likely to do these activities in general. So that's kind of the goal. That's a huge <laughs> intro ramble. But basically, I'm going to be describing today the nine principles of um, flow. So the nine principles of making yourself enjoy something or making that make an activity enjoyable. And then hopefully, if you have some goals for the new year or some new habits that you want to form, maybe kind of taking these principles into account and trying to apply them to how you approach this goal might make it more likely that you actually enjoy that activity and therefore stick to it. So in principle, that's what this is going to be. So let's get started. So the first thing that is likely to make us get into flow or enjoy an activity or make an activity creative is to have clearer goals along the way. And 
this sounds semi counterintuitive because you think that if you need to zone out of something, then you must kind of not be thinking consciously of what you're doing. And that's true. You're not thinking consciously of what you're doing. But even before you start, um, you need to have clear goals set. So for example, if you think that a surgeon is in flow while they're in surgery, they kind of can only get in flow once they're very, very experienced and they know what the next step is. And there's a very clear path in front of them that they can do subconsciously, but that they have a clear path in front of them. And this is very important. Or when you're doing a painting, um, you always kind of know that, okay, well, I need to fill in this area. And that makes it more likely that I can get into flow is knowing what I'm going to do rather than having completely random activity. I think the theory here is potentially that if you have a completely random activity, you need to do a lot of conscious thinking, which then can um, kind of negatively affect flow in general. So I think that if we want to make ourselves more likely to enjoy an activity, it's much better to set clear goals for our, ourselves and um, not things that we need to potentially target at a certain time, but kind of knowing that once I get this done, then I need to get this done and then I need to get that done. And that's the state that I want to be in. And that makes us much more likely to kind of then let go and be involved in the activity while we are doing it, which I think is very, very fun. Um, one of my goals this year will be definitely around my physical health. Um, so getting a bit fitter. And I think having certain goals for weights that I want to lift, for example, next or exercises that I want to do. I want to learn how to do the splits, for example. So that's kind of a clear set goal. And keeping that in mind while we are um, doing an activity makes things more easy and more likely that we enjoy them. Okay. Um, so next we have immediate feedback to our actions. And this is quite an important one, even though it's also a bit of a um, a bit of a difficult one, I think, because we tend to think of feedback as a negative thing, uh, but it really isn't. It doesn't need to be negative. It can be positive too. But um, if we think of these sort of activities, again, surgery is a good one, where we get immediate feedback to what we're doing, as in things work or they don't work or they go well or they don't go well. This makes it very easy for us to continue immediately, rather thinking that there are cases where we're doing an activity where feedback is very, very delayed. And that makes it much less likely for us to kind of understand what we are doing to continue forward and to be able to get lost in the action if we are getting very delayed feedback on our performance. Um, and I was thinking about this in terms of exercise. And I think for many different activities, we can choose what to focus on and therefore we can have immediate feedback. So for example, um, I hear very often that the reason that people don't like to exercise is because feedback is so delayed. So if you want to lose weight, for example, um, you need to work out potentially for months before you can see an effect. Or if you um, start lifting, it's not that you are going to get abs within the day. Unfortunately, I have tried this. Um, it takes a long time. So your results are delayed. However, um, I think that's just focusing on the wrong kind of feedback and the wrong kind of result because um, another way to get quick feedback is to see the actions that you are doing that day. So how many reps of something can you do or how much can you lift of something? And that can very quickly change within kind of a few days or a few weeks. And I'm not saying, you know, going from lifting 50 to lifting 100 kilograms, but more in the terms of doing, let's say four reps or doing five reps, and that's an increase. So that's a immediate feedback. Also the quality of performance that you can get, how deep you can go into a stretch, how long you can keep a stretch for, how for how many minutes can you do a certain exercise. These are immediate feedback loops that can make us much more likely to enjoy the activity if we focus on them. So rather than focusing on what we see in the mirror, for example, when we are exercising, if we switch that to focusing on what we can actually physically do and how good our performance is in our exercise, that, would, that might make it much more likely for us to enjoy the activity. I think, for example, this is also why art is such an easy activity to get lost 
Austin and to get into flow because you get immediate feedback. The, like my actions are the literal feedback of what I'm doing. As I'm putting something on a canvas, I can see what it looks like. So feedback is very, very fast. Or when you're singing, for example, or playing music, the feedback loop is extremely fast because you can genuinely just hear what you're doing in the moment. Um, while when you're working on different skills, I think potentially feedback loops can be a lot longer and therefore that can make the activity less more likely to be a lot less likely to be enjoyable. Um, next is a balance between challenge and skills and this is a very important one and I think why this is so important is because I'm going to mention a few more so we're on point number three now and as we get towards the later points they become a lot more easier to recognize but difficult to control um, but this balance between challenge and skills is something that is definitely easily controllable and I think it's one of the easiest and best ways to make yourself likely to stick to a skill or to stick to a habit. And what I mean by that is that, for example, the way that I see it is that there is a spectrum of difficulty where on one end you have boredom because you can do the activity every single time and you can do it well every single time and you get very little pleasure, therefore, from the activity. So therefore, it's kind of boring. And on the complete other end of the spectrum, we have things that give us anxiety. The reason being that they are so difficult. So um, if we have activities that we are so concerned that we cannot do because they are very, very challenging or that we will never be able to achieve or that take an amount of work that we just do not want to undertake, especially if the feedback loops are public for these things or we will insert into them kind of the judgment of others on what we are doing, then this these cases give us anxiety and therefore the habits are less likely to be formed and we are less likely to want to engage in that activity. And kind of in the middle of this, we have things that very much get our kind of um, interest and keep us very, very focused on the activity when we are definitely being challenged, but not to the point of anxiety. And why I say that this is such a great thing to keep in mind is that whenever we are setting goals or whenever we're trying to do an activity, it's so good to kind of think of, okay, what is the result that I want? And what is the, where do I get this feedback? And what is this feedback triggering in me? Is it triggering positive feelings? Am I excited to do this? Um, is it too easy for me? Do I need to up it and make it a bit more challenging? Or um, is it so challenging that I think I'm never going to be able to do this? And especially with studying, I used to do this a lot, probably do that again when I go back to studying. Um, but thinking that, okay, if I, if there's a topic that I don't want to study because I find it incredibly boring, I will then say, okay, for example, I have to read this paragraph in, in my history book and it's so annoying. It's not challenging at all. So I'm just rolling my eyes into my head and thinking, oh, I never want to do this. This is awful. Then I think, okay, fine, Elizabeth, since you're not challenged enough, how about you go and you read a whole book on this thing or you watch a long documentary on this or you watch a long lecture on this topic rather than focusing on just what's written on your book if you just find it tiresome and you're just falling asleep every time you're doing it. And on the other hand, if there's something that is so difficult, I think, um, even medical school in general, when you first go, especially for me, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. So I was really, really concerned that um, I'm never going to be able to learn enough or know enough. And that's just thinking too wide and too broad and not being able to do anything. And in that case, that paralysis and anxiety needs to be broken down. And I would break it down and say, okay, well, how about I just learn this lecture today and then we deal with this anxiety later. So I would really break down the things that I need to do. And it makes me much more likely to find that um, sweet middle of, okay, this is not impossible, but challenging. And that's where it's fun. Um, and also, so this is, so this is kind of how I would approach um, learning things in general or doing things in general or creating habits. It's thinking, okay, where is the sweet medium here? Where is the balance of difficulty that will make me very likely to be challenged to the point 
that I need to pay a lot of attention and be focused and therefore I can get lost in this activity. I have short feedback loops that tend to be positive a lot of the time, um, sometimes negative enough to make me frustrated in a positive way to be like, no, I need to do this, um, but not to the point of anxiety of wanting to give up or being too embarrassed or too ashamed to reapproach this thing. Um, and especially when you're younger, I think it's important to not be embarrassed or ashamed because I'm going to talk about that point actually, because it's one of the nine, um, the nine kind of elements that make up enjoyable activities. Okay. Um, number four is where action and awareness merge. Um, and this is basically where our, so our actions and awareness merging means that our concentration is in the activity that we are doing. And I know that this sounds very straightforward, but it's genuinely not. And this is something that I struggle with a lot. Very, very rarely do my actions and awareness merge. So for example, even when I'm watching a movie, I'm very often not thinking about what's happening right there and then. I'm either reading a book or I'm thinking about something else or I'm having a conversation about that movie with someone. It's very difficult, um, I think, for me, for activities to be interesting enough for me to pay full attention to them. And when they're interesting enough for me to pay full attention to them, I'm in flow because I'm loving my life. So I think this is a very good one, um, despite it being <laughs> quite difficult to achieve, but it's a good one to keep in mind. So the sort of activities, and again, it's a difficult one to control, especially because um, our focus and concentration is very difficult to control. But I'm going to touch on a few tips on that in a second, because the next one is on concentration. But um, realizing that when we are fully paying attention to the activity that we are physically doing, that makes us much more likely to get into flow into that activity. For example, filming a podcast while I'm painting kind of ruins my painting flow and I'm never in painting flow because I can't, um, I'm, I'm my, my focus is not on the thing that I am doing. The focus is kind of half-half and also in, on the things that I am saying. But I think it's a good sacrifice because it's quite um, interesting to have this stream of consciousness and I find it interesting when I do listen to my podcasts back. Sometimes I do that. Um, kind of seeing what my where my mind is going because it is quite random and I'm not paying 100% attention either to the podcast or to the painting. So that tends to be an interesting case. However, when I used to do painting before for my other paintings, um, I wouldn't be talking. So in that case, that was one of the rare activities where given a short amount of time, I can kind of snap into it. And all I'm doing is focusing on the painting alone and on nothing else around me. And that tends to be such a fun activity to do. Sometimes when I'm studying, things can be challenging enough that I can just get lost in what I'm studying. Sometimes when I'm reading, a bit rarer when I'm reading, it's usually fiction that does this to me. That makes me, um, kind of makes the background disappear. And the only thing that I'm focusing on is the book itself and nothing else. So that's a good case to go into flow. Uh, point number five is distractions um, are excluded from our focus. And this tends to be a very, very difficult thing. I struggle with distractions a lot. And I think this is very, very challenging to achieve and also challenging to control. I think I realized the other day that the reason that I wear only black is because it reduces my distractions. So if I'm wearing blue jeans, for example, I just have to focus on my jeans all day and it's very distracting. But if I'm wearing black jeans, it kind of fades in the background. I think black just absorbs um, kind of my attention and lets it be free, not in the sense that it kind of engages it, it just absorbs it and it disappears. So I think that's kind of how how I imagine things. And um, I like my environment to not be too kind of um, sensory stimulating, if that if that's a word. Um, but yeah, so, but controlling our attention, I think is quite difficult and controlling our focus, especially because there's parts of our environment that we cannot control. And there's a lot of parts of our mind that we just cannot control. And that tend to um, kind of grab 
tend to be called to attention by other things in our surroundings. But I was listening to this podcast the other day on attention in general, and there were some tips on how anyone can improve their focus, um, which were very interesting. I'm yet to try them, but I think it would be quite cool. Um, The first one, and it's quite cheesy, but it is meditation, but not in the sense that you need to, for example, become a monk or in the sense that you need to meditate every day, although that would be very, very cool. Um, but even 17 minutes alone, an isolated 17 minutes of meditation and the meditation that they were doing in this case was just focusing on their breathing, um, that would have permanent effects um, in improving people's concentration. So even just a single 17 minute meditation, which I swear everyone can find the time to do in the next month or two months, um, could potentially have positive effects on your attention if you find that you are struggling with your attention span or paying attention to things, especially if you can do this more often, I'm assuming it would be a lot better, but even just a single isolated meditation event can be extremely helpful. So that's one way. Um, another way, which is quite interesting, is blinking. Um, so increasing your blinking can increase your meditation. Your sorry, can increase your attention. Um, so in the short term, if you're struggling to concentrate to something, just blinking a lot can really help you um, pay more attention to things. And the pathways that this works in is very, very fascinating. So um, apparently, our dopaminergic system, so the dopamine in the brain, is connected to our blinking rate, and Dopamine is also very closely connected to our perception of time. And it's one of the things that tends to be um, slightly dysregulated in people with ADHD, for example. So in ADHD, there's a dysregulation in time wherein the person feels as though time is passing really, really fast. Um, And by blinking more that can increase the amount of dopamine that is available to the brain and therefore decrease the perception of time. And decreasing the perception of time can help you focus more. So one way to increase um, your kind of focus in the short term is just to blink a bit more. Um, I don't know how much, to be honest. I don't think it was very clear on how much blinking you need to do. But um, I think you sense when you're tired, for example, you tend to blink a a lot more. And um, the reason for that is perhaps just to increase that dopamine and to increase your focus, which is kind of leaving because you are too tired and because exhaustion is one way to decrease your focus in general. Okay. Um, And also the third way, I think, to increase your focus is to just not use electronic devices as much. It's actually very interesting how much electronic devices genuinely affect our ability to focus. Um, For teenagers and children, having using electronic devices for more than one hour a day, a single hour a day, can drastically decrease their ability to focus. And for adults, that's up to two hours a day. Now, two hours a day might sound like a long time, but it genuinely isn't. After reading this study, I went on to my, um, which I should not have done because it was traumatizing. I went on to see how much time I spent on my phone. And it's apparently around eight hours a day, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. When I used to be in medical school, it was genuinely under an hour. But I think now because um, I'm taking a lot of notes on my phone and because I read on my phone and I spend a lot of hours reading every day. Um, that amount has just increased so much that it's incredible. So I think I might do a challenge at some point to just um, stop myself from using my phone over an hour a day, which I think would be very difficult to do, but also equally probably quite necessary. And it might help my attention since I'm struggling with that and focus at the moment. So that might be good. Um, So point number six is not having fear of failure. Uh, When you're in flow, you don't have fear of failure. And this is, I think, a good one because it's easy to change with just mindset. So rather there's genetic components to being able to focus or not. And there's a lot of variables when it comes to focus in general. However, fear of failure is something that I think can be helped with CBT and can be helped with introspection. So it tends to be something that we can improve a lot easier. Um, I think I talk about fear of failure 
and self-confidence in some of my podcasts. So I'm not going to go into this one in too much detail, but in general, kind of, I think decoupling our self-esteem and our self-worth from our performance in specific tasks, especially tasks that are new and finding rather pleasure in self-esteem in the fact that we are taking upon challenging things and things that we are not that good in and things that we are scared to do that can improve our self-esteem more than just tying it simply to the results of something which can of course be quite not good and therefore um, they can greatly decrease our self-esteem and decrease our chance of actually enjoying that activity so that tends to be something that I like to do um, is having fun in doing ridiculous things and um, actually in a book about creativity they did mention that a very good way to be creative in life is to um, one be surprised by something every single day so find something surprising something that breaks away from the norm Um, and secondly surprise someone every single day. So do something that is out of character for you. And that's not so you can shock people. The point isn't in the effect that it will have on other people. The point is on the effect that it will have on yourself. Um, if you keep on doing things that are out of character for you and challenging, then that makes you more creative in the long term. And also quite importantly, it will make you more likely to enjoy activities and to kind of be able to lean more into doing things that you are finding potentially scary and challenging. So that's a cool one. Um, Next is self-conscious disappearing. Um, If you are not having awareness of what you are doing, then you are very likely to be enjoying the activity that you are doing and to be in a state of flow. And this is honestly, I don't know if you've ever been in this state, I'm sure that you find that it's one of the most fun things in the world. I think even me, for example, I'm so self-centered in the way that I'm always thinking and I'm always logged on and I'm always conscious and I'm always aware of my surroundings and what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and what I need to do and what's waiting for me to do and what I'm doing well and what I'm doing badly and all my to-do list and all of these things are just a constant, constant background cosmic radiation in my mind. However, when I am in an activity that I find very, very entertaining, then I would all that will just disappear and it's completely quiet and I'm not even aware of it. So my self-awareness is not there. And I feel like that whole bunch of things that I just described is my self-awareness and that just disappears and it goes away and it's quiet. And I don't even know that it's gone. It's not that I'm aware that it's not there, but I'm just, I just am. And I always only realize in retrospect that, oh my God, that's what I was in. Um, Because most importantly, the pleasure in flow is not in the moment when you are in flow. Because if you are aware that you're having fun, then you're aware of the moment, you're self-conscious. That's not the case. The case is when it's all over, you realize, oh my God, that was so great. Um, So because if you start thinking, oh, this is so fun, I'm not thinking, (laughs) you're thinking. So that can't happen. But I think retrospectively, I realized that, oh my God, for the last few hours, I just wasn't aware of anything that was so incredible. And the pleasure comes after. Um, so that's really, really, really fun. And I think there was this great phrase that I love, which was um, the self expands through acts of self-forgetfulness. And that's so, so good and so true that the way that we kind of, um, the way that we grow as people and the way that we potentially even become more self-aware is through acts that make us forget of ourselves rather than being in that constant loop of who am I? What am I doing? What do I need to do? What did I do? How do I do it? Blah, 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 blah. So that's a really, really fun one. Um, and next we have forgetting time. So time being distorted. And, um, this is an interesting one about flow. I've been in the state very often in painting wherein, so this is actually my second painting that I've ever not done in a single day. And actually this man, this I did in a day, but this lady I've been doing very slowly during my podcast, um, which has been very difficult for me because I have to stop myself once I'm done with a podcast from continuing. I'm 
very much like a binger. I want to start something and finish it immediately. It's very hard for me to kind of resist from doing that. So this has been very difficult. But basically, um, when I do things like this, my sense of time is completely distorted. I don't eat. I don't get hungry. I don't think of what I'm doing. I'm just in in flow. I'm just kind of working and I don't realize that it's work. I don't realize what is happening. And it next thing I know it's like 4am and I'm like holy shit I started this at like 10am what happened time flew so fast um and that tends to be the fun activities that we're doing where time just disappears um our sense of time completely disappears um so this is an interesting thing to do I think it's a difficult one it's a very difficult one to control it's one of those things that you that I can realize with activities that oh this is something that I'm potentially enjoying because time is passing very fast but I don't think it's something that I can control for and it's not something that I can change in activities themselves other than just lean into the activities that make time disappear for me and make me feel that good so unfortunately maybe through blinking maybe through meditation, maybe through trying to spend less time on my electronic devices, I can improve my attention span, slow down time for myself and kind of um, disappear in the activity that I'm doing and make it more likely to get into this sense of time distortion. However, it's not something that I think is easy to control in other any other way than just leaning into things in general. Okay, so we've achieved point number nine, um, which is the activity becoming autotelic, which basically means you get pleasure in the activity itself rather than the results. And um, this is kind of another version of journey as a destination kind of thing, which we throw around, but I don't think that we, um, or at least, sorry, let's not generalize. I don't think that I, I say this, I believe it, but also um, destination tends to be fun very often. Um, So I don't think I lean into it enough, but the things that I genuinely do find exciting and the things that I do genuinely find enjoyable are the things that I enjoy doing in the moment for the sake of doing those things. So if you're doing something for the sake of doing it rather than from some result, that's definitely something that wherein you're being creative, something where you're having fun, something that you're finding enjoyable. So finding a way to make activities enjoyable within themselves makes them much more likely for you to lean into those activities. And I always, always use reading as an example here because um, I was never kind of promoted to read as a child. I was never rewarded for it. Um, It was just a thing that I did. If anything, my parents would try to stop me from reading so much because they would find it very frustrating that I would not engage um, with them and my family as much, but I preferred the company of books. Um, But the fact that I was not rewarded for that activity made me find pleasure in the activity itself. So this is something that I feel strongly for and definitely something that I think that we can control, not in the sense that you, I don't think that we can Uh, there's ways I think that are difficult to make the process of doing something more enjoyable but the least we can do in this case is not reward ourselves for doing something and I feel very very strongly for this if I want to make something pleasurable for myself I do not reward myself for that activity because then I avoid that trap of wanting to do the activity for the reward rather than wanting to do the activity for the activity itself and I'm very careful with this so for example sometimes I really like to have a nice kind of cold drink after the gym and I try to avoid it for a while so I don't tie the fact that I go to gym to get that cold drink after because um, then I'm kind of taking away I think from the pleasure of exercising for myself and I don't want to do that so I'm very conscious with different activities that I don't tie any reward to them and therefore I make it much more likely to kind of convince myself that I'm enjoying the activity for the activity's sake rather than enjoying the activity for the reward and yeah, so I, but and but I do reward myself a lot, but completely at random. If I want something, I'll just get it. Um, before I used to tie my rewards to milestones, but I don't want to 
I don't want to create those dopaminergic connections where I then think that, oh, I should go to medical school because, you know, if I do well in an exam, I'm going to buy something for myself. Absolutely not. Um, I just buy things for myself when I can afford them and when I want them rather than as a reward for an activity. Um, so yes, this really, really annoys my friends when they ask me that, oh my God, you reached this milestone. Did you get yourself something? And I say, nope. And that's not because I'm mean to myself. I'm just nice to myself for existing and not nice for myself to myself for doing things. And I think in that way, I tend to become... Um, kind of more fall more in love with the activities that I do for the activity's sake rather than from rewards here and there so um yeah that was everything these were the nine points that um apparently are more likely to that are key components to making activities enjoyable and making activities enjoyable and flow I've used interchangeably in this podcast because um I think they kind of mean the same thing um flow is like the ultimate I think state of enjoying something so that's why they've been used interchangeably. And I think if we're in flow, we're very likely to also be creative. And I think creativity is genuinely one of the highest pleasures in the world. And I've spent quite a lot of time um, in the last few weeks kind of focusing on creativity in general and how we can become more creative and what creativity means and why people are creative in general and how we can increase creativity in our lives. Because I think if if we're being creative, if we're in flow, if we are enjoying activities and bringing new things into the world, I think it's just one of the ultimate pleasures that I believe everyone should have the chance to experience. And oh, there's this very beautiful quote I just want to end this on. And not quote actually, because I won't be able to remember the whole thing, but the concept behind it was a very interesting way of viewing the world, I think, wherein it said that we went, so human beings went from believing that gods had created us and the earth to believing that we are the ones who created the gods. And so we gave to ourselves the role of creator and we are considering ourselves to be the most creative and the creators of everything basically that we know and experience around us. And yet at the same time, we do not hold creativity at such a high esteem and we do not focus on it enough and we do we are not as intentional as we should be with creativity because if it is so good which it is um why are we not then doing more about it so i think creativity is one thing that i've kind of narrowed down in my life that i do want to focus on and i do potentially want to do more of both myself understand more of too so that i can hopefully get the people around me to be a bit more inspired to experience the joys of being able to make things get lost in the enjoyment of things and do more things so yeah those were the nine points if it's anything for example brushing your teeth that you want to be more intentional with you can genuinely use these rules so for example I can think that oh if I'm not finding brushing my teeth challenging enough is just a random activity how about whenever I brush my teeth I also do a daily review of my day and then it becomes something more challenging and more interesting to look forward to and then I potentially increase the kind of daily reviews that I do or while I brush my teeth I meditate for example so you can always I think couple activities with one another and focus on those of the nine rules which resonate the most with you and that you can kind of control for more for example for me um, lowering my self-consciousness and fear of failure is something that I can very easily focus on because I know that I want to achieve this for so many aspects in life so this is something that I definitely double down in when it comes to um, myself in general and for tasks and specifically and then I end up 
I end up in the position where in tasks that I'm doing tend to be a lot more fun because I'm lowering this self-consciousness, lowering this fear of failure, um, increasing time and being better with time. This is something that I really want to focus on because I've, I'm finding that um, I'm kind of struggling with my attention span very often. So in that way, what I do is try to do these exercises of kind of meditation or being more aware or now hopefully spending less time on electronic devices and just learning more about the dopaminergic system and the different sort of pathways of time perception in my mind and understanding more about the way that my brain works. B- making activities autotelic. So finding pleasure within activities themselves is something that I've definitely done in the last year and I will be continuing this year is absolutely no rewards for any sort of activity for myself, but rewards are allocated at random whenever I want them for absolutely no reason. And then I find that the activities that I do tend to be more fun within themselves. And um, yeah, and setting clear goals along the way. This is something that I'm a bit iffy with, mostly because I think for most people, this would be a good thing. But uh, for me, being a perfectionist, it's very difficult for me to draw a line with goals, as in I get very, very um, obsessed with them. And then I can't do anything else until I achieve them. Um, and I really, really want to achieve them well. And it becomes a, I become hugely, hugely competitive with myself. So having goals in that way is something that I don't genuinely have but I do pick activities where um, the goals are clear as in I finished the painting that's a goal um, but not something in terms of the quality of the painting or how much better it is for my previous paintings or things like that those are things that I am focusing on a bit less so yeah um, that's that if you made it so far Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, a great year. Good luck with anything you're trying to accomplish. And um, I shall see you all in the next podcast. Bye.